Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Positivity Strategist Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Stratton Burkessel. I started this podcast over a year ago. And as a professional in the field of human and organization and community development, I feel compelled to bring awareness to some of the positive, strength-based approaches that are changing lives across the world. And I've been reaching out to people in my professional field who who are making a difference, and I'm inviting them to tell their stories and share their great work. My guests to date have been mainly appreciative inquiry practitioners and scholars, and also solution-focused practitioners, open space facilitators, scholars and coaches and authors in positive psychology and aligned fields. My desire is to amplify the goodness in humankind and bring the practice of positivity into our lives daily. Now, if you'd like to suggest a topic or a person for the show, someone who's making a positive difference, please go to positivitystrategist.com slash podcast and you'll see if you scroll down on the right-hand column there's a there's a little um, um, icon that you can use to leave a voice recording with your ideas. So um, if you just leave a message to say what you enjoy about the show or what other contributions you'd like to see, I can include that in upcoming episodes. Or alternatively, you could go to the contact page on Positivity Strategist and leave your suggestions there. So that's just by way of Uh, reintroducing the show to you all. And now I'm really excited to go to today's show and today's guest. And my guest today is Nick Hernandez. I became aware of Nick through the Positive Psychology group on Facebook. Now this Facebook group is nudging 100,000 members. So that's pretty impressive. And a number of my colleagues are posting there. But Nick stood out to me as he posts so many great links on all topics related to positive psychology and well-being. And I'm inspired by him. So I reached out and found out more about Nick's talents and the difference that he's making in his communities, both locally and globally. Now, Nick organizes events inspired by well-being scholarship to spark generative change for organizations and communities. Nick also facilitates strategic planning with an appreciative inquiry and asset-based community development model. And for over two years now, Nick has been interviewing well-being scholars and change makers on the Community Matters Radio. So Nick, thank you so much for being with me today and welcome to Positivity Strategist. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, you can hear that beautiful dulcet voice. (laughs) Um, Nick, so I would love you to kind of move into the microphone and introduce yourself because I'd love for you to share with the audience how you came into this field. You bet. 
So it was definitely accidental. And I was working as an economist at the Nebraska Department of Labor. And they had a, a organizational development specialist for the state come through our uh, department and they gave everybody of a copy of one of the books from the Gallup organization on our strengths. So that was the first time I'd ever encountered a strength-based philosophy. And when I got my top five strengths back, the first thing that I wanted to know is, well, this, I've never thought about myself in this way before. Uh, well, okay, let me get to the real stuff. What are my weaknesses and how can I fix them? <laughs> so what I, this, what I eventually came to realize is the whole survey just measures strengths. It doesn't measure weaknesses. And the thought of looking at, um, persons in that way had never occurred to me. So I guess I, you know, and I don't know exactly how this happened, but I somehow came to have the view that really the best thing that a person can do if they want to create change is to study weaknesses and try to fix them. And I can't tell you how big of a relief it was to see that there's this whole other side to life and what's, what's right with people, what's right with myself. And I, I'd been walking around not really noticing that I was missing out on half a life. So it was really a revelatory moment and it slowly started to work itself deep into my soul, I guess, if you want to, if, if you want to put it that way. So that sparked my curiosity. So eventually when I took the values and actions, uh, their inventory of strengths and curiosity popped out as one of my top ones. Um, it, that explains, well, how come, how come I just didn't just take this survey and let it go and participate in the activities that are, um, at our organization at the time, I went sort of a, a deep dive into positive psychology and looking at where did this come from? Um, how come I never heard of this before? And I just felt kind of fell in love with the field and just have been familiarizing myself with people who are written, who had written on the topic and then realized that, well, actually it, um, the name itself came about in the late nineties, but there've been people studying the positive aspects of our humanity since, uh, well, back in Athens, 2,500 years ago. So that, that was my start. How's that? <laughs> I think that's a fantastic start. Um, and you know, as I talk to people, it's really interesting how there's kind of a theme because whether it's appreciative inquiry or any of those strength-based approaches and or positive psychology, which is part of it, so it's kind of all coming under the um, same umbrella, the experience is very – it's my experience and it's very similar to a lot of other people who end up in this field and make it their life's work to start making changes through the this worldview, the, you know, the connection of philosophy and psychology and art and science. Um, it, and that theme is it's almost like, oh, it's a relief. There is – so my intuition, there is another – way of looking at the world and being in the world. And so when you said that, it's like you put a great big smile on my face because it really is. 
um, I feel like legitimized now that, you know, there is another half of me that kind of our socialization has not honored up to this point. Yeah, yeah. I know. Part of uh, part of what it was for me. So I'm glad you said appreciative inquiry because shortly after this experience at work, where I stumbled across the Strengths Finder, I signed up for a class in community leadership here in Lincoln, Nebraska, and that program was built around an appreciative inquiry model. So it was kind of like a one-two punch and I was, I was in the, uh, the deep end of, uh, just like a whole new world, I guess is how it felt. My top strength in the Gallup survey is called maximizer. And the way that that strength comes across to me is that I'm interested in, uh, studying what excellence looks like in any particular domain. And when I see something that's like at a nine, let's say, that's when I get interested in it. And I wanna see, can I stretch this Mm. thing that's already going great to a 10? Mm. Um, So these very fields themselves, um, positive psychology and appreciative inquiry, uh, it's like they're both, they're both, sort of areas of practice that sort of fit that very template. They're looking, they're starting with what things that are good already, whether it be an individual or an organization that's, that's doing well. And it's like that, that, uh, that final mile of stretching to stretching individuals, organizations and communities to their full potential. That's so beautifully said. Absolutely. So, Nick, you have a professional identity um, uh, called Wellbeing Strategies, right? A website, Wellbeing Strategies. Yeah. So, um, I would love you to expand a little bit on what strategies for well-being are. Perfect. So, looking at the field of positive psychology, what what comes out of that is a lot of research done on individuals and what they can do to expand their well-being, emotional well-being, uh, sort of the sense of purpose and meaning in life. And what what jumped out at me, and I'll blame it, I'll blame it on one of my other strengths, connectedness, <laughs> uh, is, well, that's, that's beautiful. I, once I heard about the field, then I looked out and it's like, there's so many examples of people that are engaged in coaching and then at the organizational level there's all this strength-based work that's being done um, by organizations like the Gallup organization that are looking at how can we help people and organizations stretch to their fullest and what what jumped out at me was where is this research being applied at the community level or at the uh, societal level. Mm. And that it's, I would, I, you know, I, I have to admit it's still a quest. There's um, not a whole lot of empirical research done on what entire communities or neighborhoods can do to increase well-being. 
it's I, th- I think in the when positive psychology started, it was an aspiration to study what individuals, organizations, and communities can do to reach their full potential. And I think the research side of it's been primarily focused on individuals and organizations. So it's really a sort of a, a passion at the sort of the societal or the community level that, that sunk in really deep. Now, in my, in my opinion, the best way that I can uh, make a difference at that level is to totally immerse myself in the theoretical and applied research on what individuals and organizations can do. Mm. Nick, can I just ask a question that's come up for me? So you're making a distinction between organizations and communities. So what is that distinction for you? I would say with organizations that the focus is typically the vision and the mission. So what, what value does this organization uh, bring to the world? And it's, I would say focused on, you know, you're either a nonprofit organization or a business or a government agency. So whereas once you switch to the community level, for me, that then you're also bringing in consideration of place and placemaking and uh, the natural environment and the built environment and in addition to uh, people themselves. So I would say that you switch to a ge- geographic mindset mm-hmm. when I'm, you know, when I say community, that's, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm referring to. That's great. And diversity of a different kind, right? Because you might have, I mean, within an organization, you'll have diversity, you know, usually of the human kind and maybe functional kind. But what comes to mind when you say that now, because I do quite a bit of community work and so you're helping me, you know, I'm, this is a generative conversation, is that, you know, in the communities that I'm working in, and I'm sure you experience the same, there are many different self-interests with the different um, neighborhood associations and whether it's the the people who are interested in the commerce or the arts or the education or the healthcare or the environment within the communities. So there's a lot of, you know, diversity of that sense. So kind of like a lot of different systems within a system. Yeah. So it's, it's wonderful uh, to see researchers diving into like one slice of the life of a community. So um, I, I saw an article that said it was something along the lines that having, I think it was either five or 10 full grown trees on your block of your neighborhood is the equivalent of uh if you were to live on a street where there were no full grown trees like that, that it would be equivalent to $10,000 of income for mm-hmm. the level of well-being that that, uh, creates wow. for you. Yeah. It's like, you know, I would, I would have never guessed that the natural environment can have that big of an impact on our subjective well-being. That's fantastic. That really brings it home. Yeah. That, I mean, just as an example, mm. um, now, how what uh, one of the more useful models that 
um, has helped me to think about this is it was initially developed by Jonathan Haidt in his book, The Happiness Hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And it, it looks at sort of based on the model of the human person proposed by Freud that there's a strong un subconscious um, source of a lot of our thoughts and emotions and mood and desire that it's he likens it to an elephant and then our conscious rational imaginative mind is like a writer that's sitting on top of this elephant and there were uh, some Stanford a Stanford scientist who with his brother wrote a book on that furthered this model and then they added in the idea of a path so as a you know the sociologists would say well you know it, aside from the elephant and the writer that sort of this twofold model of the human person there's also the the environment that a person's in so they they talk about the writer the elephant and the path mm -hmm. so when you're trying to create positive change sometimes maybe well why what what is preventing well-being from occurring well maybe there's something wrong with the writer maybe there's something wrong with the elephant or maybe there's something wrong with the path or maybe there's some combination of all three mm. and in the case where it doesn't seem like there's any problems and you're just trying to create positive change you know how do you develop solutions that speak to the writer the elephant and what kind of paths do we want to create as communities that uh, encourage healthy writers and elephants? Mm. <laughs> yes. And the path is sympathetic to the, to the writer and the elephant or yeah. in harmony with. Exactly. Yeah. So sometimes um, – we the paths that exist are not conducive to uh, elephants and riders traveling on the paths. <laughs> this lovely image. I agree. Um, so it is. I mean, it is about having a, a fully systemic approach to this. But I, so environment is a big piece of the community, and I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um, and definitely has an impact on well-being. Um, yeah. And it, when it comes to the sort of our created environment, um, the one that really jumps out at me is what we experience on our screens, on our, on our Facebook, whether on our uh, YouTube, whether it's on our television or on our phone. And I'd uh, taken a course in media and cultural policy when I was at the University of Texas and in that course the professor I, I, I feel like I had an extremely good fortune in a, finding a professor that didn't see everything necessarily as a problem so he I think he just kinda naturally had a strength-based approach and his his the way that he conceptualized communication was that it's a symbolic process whereby social reality is created, maintained, repaired, and transformed. So for him, 
all, all of our various forms of communication, it's not so much about, uh, like when we read the newspaper, it's not primarily that we're, that someone's transmitting information to us or through our television that they're transmitting information to us. Um, but it's more, the idea is that it's a cultural forum and instead of thinking about that transmission of information, think more about this is a ritual that gets created in a society. So it's about the production of culture more than it is about the trans, more than the uh, transmission of information. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I, when I think about the, um, trying to create positive change at the community level, the, my, my, so the environment is definitely a factor in that, but then also the forms of communication that exist and the way in which we use those uh, forms of communication, um, that's, that's really, I would say, the, the center point of what I try to deepen my knowledge of. <laughs> yes, and as you say that, Nick, what comes to mind is the worldview and perspective of social construction, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a good way of uh, putting yeah, it. Yeah, that, you know, it's in relationship and through our worldviews and our cultural upbringing that we construct our world in relationship with others. And so, you know, we are, we are co you know, as you read that story in the newspaper, for example, you see that thing on TV, you are, you are part of that. I mean, you are co-constructing that reality from the information that you're receiving and how you make sense of it. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, I could make sense of seeing something in a very different way than somebody else. So I'm constructing that reality for myself and it could be the same input that's coming in but just with our own life experience and our cultural heritage and all the other things that make us individuals and unique individuals, we make up different stories with all of that. Yeah, I did the, um, the numbers on the Values and in Action Institute's uh, inventory of strengths and with all the possible permutations of top five strengths, it's about there's with just looking at the top five, there's five million different combinations of our top five strengths. So when people say, well, it's just common sense, my thought is, well, which common sense? Mm -hmm. Because there's at least five million types of common mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and the same, you know, it's truth. Well, which truth, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so are you a mathematician uh, when you're doing, uh, or you just love? I had a, I had a minor in mathematics. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was your undergraduate degree? I, I went to a liberal arts college, so I got a, a strong dose of uh, philosophy and uh -huh. comparative mm -hmm. religious studies and social sciences, mm -hmm. physical sciences. Mm -hmm. So that, uh, that I, I would say that's what set me on a path mm -hmm. to looking at well-being from, mm -hmm. um, you know, from every which way. Yeah. So, I wound up with a with a major in economics, and what really interested me 
from the get-go in looking at economics was the sort of the cultural the cultural elements of society mm. and what what drives cultural development mm. well well you're immersed in it now <laughs> what about um so with the community work that you're doing would you like to share a high point story of the work that you're doing Perhaps sure, one that might illustrate some of the kinds of strategies that people come up with and and yeah. um, differences that, that it's making. Yeah. So I'd seen work by Sonia Lubomirsky on kindness in her book. That mm-hmm. was one of the themes that really jumped out, and I never I never thought too much about it. Um, it, it made sense that well, maybe humans are wired in such a way that when we're kind to others that we feel good ourselves. Um, but then a deeper level of insight that I got from her work was that we, everyone has a story about themselves that they maybe have reflected on and, you know, thought it out, but it's at least they're sort of unconsciously like, who am I? What kind of a person am I? And, if we haven't intentionally practiced kindness towards those that we don't know, that there's not going to be necessarily something that we're going to get back maybe at a future point. Um, it, the story that we tell ourselves is, well, you know, I help, I help my friends and that's great, but there's something that deepens our conception of ourselves when we are able to say, I'm the kind of I'm the kind of person that helps strangers. It's and something about actually practicing kindness if if one hasn't done that before, it's like you get to change the story that you tell to yourself. I'm the kind of person that helps strangers when they're when they're in need or I I'm the kind of person that just likes to brighten someone else's day and so that that was what went into the uh, sort of the beginnings of this project. So I'd seen the movie about the uh, random acts of kindness. I forget the name of the story right now, mm-hmm. um, but I something in me just wanted to see if there was a way to turn the idea of random acts of kindness into like a concerted effort at the community level. And I started, I, I just started sharing my idea with people that I, that I'm friends with and even sometimes just striking up conversation at various events. I started talking about kindness and someone, someone clued me into an organization that was promoting, um, encouraging people in the community to do seven acts of kindness or compassion on December 7th. And I got in touch with the organization and with once I'd, taken an interest in seeing what I could do with taking research from positive psychology and making a difference at the community level with that. Um, I gathered the people that I'd encountered that were interested in that idea around this kindness project idea. And what happened was we printed cards like index card size, um, sheets of paper and the idea was for people in the community to write down to do seven acts of kindness and then for each act to write a note about what they did 
and how it impacted them to practice that kindness. So with those cards being filled out, it you know they were anonymous, like you didn't have to uh, share who you were or anything. But the purpose of getting the written record down was we put them up in the windows at a local grocery store and it just made a wall of all these acts of kindness. And the idea there was to inspire more people to try it out. Uh, it's, it's really moving to read how practicing kindness affected people. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it, I, it's, extremely elevating that sort of like your throat tightens and you feel something good and uh it was it was just beautiful as the whole thing was proceeding and once we had this window filled out and it was it was like the libraries took part in it some of the elementary schools uh, high schools colleges took part in in the event we got all the cards together, so we're talking in the thousands now at uh, the art museum at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln on December 7th uh, for this. They called the event Seeds of Kindness, mm -hmm. and it was a theme that they uh, adopted for their winter festival. So the chamber singers from the university were singing songs that were expressed, that expressed this generosity and kindness and compassion and it, it was all the cards were up in the window and it was a, a beautiful event and then what I, one of the things that I, that I try to think about is how do you how do you create a some sort of a positive change that doesn't just happen one time but that um, has a generative mechanism built into it that uh, keeps that positive change going. Um, and in this case, sort of a, in a symbolic way, the paper that we used for people to write down their acts of kindness on was embedded with wildflower seeds. So come spring, we planted a, uh, a wildflower garden at one of the elementary schools with all the cards. So then Later that summer, you get the the flowers in bloom. So, uh, that yeah, that that was that was one of the projects. And you know, even at the once the wildflowers came up, then I there was research that I'd seen that um, having flowers, like say cut flowers, uh, that even something that simple, if you have that in your um, like a workplace or something that 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 adds happiness to uh, that that bumps up the subjective well-being as well. So that was sort of the vision that went into that project. Nick, that is uh, simply gorgeous. I had goosebumps, um, particularly when you were telling me about the um, putting the wildflower seeds into those um, expressions, those paper expressions of kindness. I did too, the whole time. <laughs> and there's a video, right, that I can share on the show notes page of the choir. Was that – you sent me a link and is that related to the kind yeah, of yeah. – Yes, I will definitely yeah. share some of these these links that you're 
to describe and some of the books that you're mentioning too because it's all incredibly valuable. And yeah. something I just want to – oh, you want to – sorry, go ahead. It sounds like well, you're just about to launch into something different or well, new just, or an addition. Just, yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, that was one of the um, aspects of creating this project that I wanted to uh, be a part of it was to – just do something that's really, really moving and really generative, but then to turn that over, I guess, to the local media and see see what they had to add to it. So it wasn't like it wasn't like we had a uh, a specific press release or anything that we you know that we we weren't trying to totally just like drive the narrative. So the local paper, the Lincoln Journal Star, we talked to a reporter there and she, she just ran with it. And it went, um, it just added a, another layer of richness to the experience in that uh, the, a local reporter, Andrew Ozaki, he, he did the same thing and ran with it. And he visited the kids in the classroom and he like this school they it was right around the time of Sandy Hook mm-hmm. the Sandy Hook shooting mm-hmm. and the kids wrote letters to the students in Sandy Hook mm-hmm. so it it linked all that together and um i guess that's uh part of the part of the one of the themes of trying to do work at the community level is to um make a good seed for the media to then see see how it grows for them mm-hmm. so just to try to give something that's that's worthy of telling further stories from so that's that's the other theme that i would in addition to the direct work itself mm-hmm. it's i guess it's just the mindfulness of how um how it can continue through the storytelling side of it there are so many things i would like to expand on and what you've said from you know the impact of that positive emotion of kindness in the in the physical and um, you know neurological and and um, you know cellular level you know we know the impact that positive emotions have on us um, um, at very many levels and um, there's so many other things but I what I'm hearing so much Um, Nick through this is you know you have the potential you know for this to become a movement if you will because it's so meaningful and yet you strike me as someone who's incredibly humble and I'm just wondering without being humble now what do you appreciate about yourself in what you're doing at the Uh community level well it depends on what we mean when we say humble so (laughs) okay um, so here's Sort of the the definition of humility that I work off is it. I think that humility is an awareness of where uh, a person stands in relation to their potential. But then another side of humility is that they they also have a drive to um, reach their full potential. And the, I think the the central theme of our potential is our ability to create positive change for others. So that's, that's what humility means to me. Mm. Uh, and so 
I think that you can, like, in order to be humble, you have to give yourself a full accounting of your strengths and your potential. So I think that with the development of the strengths finders, that that actually is uh, a prerequisite mm -hmm. in some ways of, of actually being humble. Um, and in this, uh, the Values in Action Institute survey, one of my top themes is it sort of concords with the Gallup one. So my top one is the appreciation of uh, excellence. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, so my strength is paying attention to the strengths and potential of those, ar those around me and the strength and potential of organizations and of communities. And then the other half of that strength is uh, appreciation of beauty. And that comes out whether it's the beauty of the natural world around me or humanly created beauty, whether it be through the arts or the architecture or the community design. Um, and then my second strength is love. So I appreciate mm -hmm. like uh, friendship and that, that uh, positive reciprocal relationships where um, I think that it's, you know, what's, what's the greatest good that comes from friendship? It's, it's like you kind of sit there after a while and you just get this sense we bring out the best in each other. Um, and so I would say that that is, uh, it's just basically becoming aware of my strengths and then trying to do something at the community level that is just a resonance of what my strengths already are. Mm -hmm. So I, I try to have it be like a, a doubling. So what I do at the community level, the external manifestation of that is just an expression of my internal strengths. So it's like, it's, it's really um, delightful to engage in, in this kind of, uh, these kinds of endeavors. So uh, it, it's like, it creates that sort of a generative cycle where when I do things that fit my strengths, I, I, I feel more energy. So I'm ready to do more. Um, and I, it's like, I hadn't ever thought about that way of, uh, living life before I started really getting into, uh, the well, well-being scholarship and yeah. trying to do something with it. Well, that's just fantastic. I mean, it is really about having that theoretical understanding and it's the doing of it. Yeah. And so I, I thank you for that beautiful expansion on, um, the virtue of humility. That was beautiful. And you know what, again, what comes up for me when you were describing all of that and expressing yourself and what it means to you and how you're living it out is there are three lesser-known principles in appreciative inquiry. There are the five, you know, well-known foundational principles. The three lesson uh, there are four lesser-knowns, but the three that come for me, or four of them actually, that you're talking about is one is the principle of awareness. So you, what you've described for me, Nick, is that, you know, you know have this this self-awareness. So, you know, that's almost like a prerequisite. And so when you have that insights about yourself, um, 
that's a great starting point. And then there's this notion or this principle of enactment. So unless, and you talked about, you know, taking account of yourself and um, so yeah. unless you go out there and you do something with it or that you enact, you know, what it is that you become aware of, you're not realising your potential. And the other one I think that you're describing, what comes up for me from what you're saying is this principle of wholeness that, you know, as human beings we have this this quest for wholeness, for its, you know, bringing all these pieces together so that we can achieve our fullest potential and be at that 100% even if we're at 99% now as you were saying earlier. So I just hear, you know, that you're embodying, you're enacting all of these these kinds of principles that I think are part of having this this deep sense of what well-being is and how we can serve others, starting very much with that self-awareness. Yeah, that's there's that's uh, there's some intentionality behind that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Would you mind just saying a little bit about generativity? You, you know, where we talk about. You know, um, well, appreciative inquiry and positive psychology is very generative. Um, You know, and and some people say, you know, appreciative inquiry is just about being positive, but it's really about being generative. What does that mean for you? Yeah, the uh, generativity, the the word itself, I believe, was coined by the developmental psychologist Eric Erickson, and his definition had to do with passing on the wisdom from one generation to the next. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at, I think that that's a good starting point and more, maybe even a little more general than that, at the personal level, it would be when a person recognizes positive potential in another and then feels moved to, to try to draw out that positive potential and then is successful at doing so. I would say that's when I when I talk about generativity. That's what I uh, that's what I mean at the at the personal level. Beautiful, um, and yeah. that I think is expressed typically in um, parents with their children, and teachers with students, and mentors with mentees. Yes. But I but I think it can it can come out. Um, in any relationship, and I don't think it necessarily is one generation with the other. I think sometimes it's it's the reverse. Sometimes maybe it's a young person that wants to share um, their knowledge of Facebook and texting, maybe with uh, an elder. Um, but so it, it I can th- I think it can it can go in any direction. Right. Uh, the generativity. And then the, at the organizational or the community level, I think it's sort of a, a mindfulness of when you, when you design an intervention um, that it's not just like a one-time um, event, but that you think about the type of uh, ripple effect mm-hmm. that you want that direct intervention to create subsequent to that yeah, continuity and, right yeah and if you can create that that full circle well where mm-hmm. it comes back and it keeps reinforcing like a, 
a virtuous cycle of positive change. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, I think, what generativity looks like at the organizational or the community level. I love it, yeah. Nick, you have a radio show. So talk to us a little bit about your radio show. Yeah, the, the, there's a, a, a nonprofit radio station in Lincoln, Nebraska. It's uh, KZUM 89.3 FM. Um, if you have the TuneIn app on your phone, you can find that. Just search for the call letters, KZUM. And I was a guest on the show. I'd started a neighborhood organization in Lincoln, and they heard about this. There was a show on neighborhoods on this on the station, so they had me as a guest on the show. Um, and then I, after I started that, then I thought, well, I want to make a coalition of Uh, all the neighborhood organizations in Northeast Lincoln, and then they had me on again for that. And I had become a fan of the show by that point, and sometimes I would just go and hang out with the the show hosts and the people they have as guests. And they said, well, we're moving our uh, program to the evenings, and I just sort of, out of, of, from, from my mouth came the words, I'll do a show at this time if you want. (laughs) uh, I was, so how, what ended up happening was um, there's a show called the joy factor already taking place where on the station where the host looks at people that have an idea for um, doing something awesome in the world. And then they did it. And how did that idea get born and uh, what did they do with it? And, so I saw myself as uh, somewhere in the middle of that mix, and what I what I try to do is find guests that are engaged in well-being scholarship, whether they be psychologists, sociologists, anthropologists, uh, philosophers, and have them talk about um, what they're researching lately. Uh, one of my favorite themes to explore with scholars has been uh, the idea of friendship. Um, and then at the, at the, on the practical side, uh, the people that are engaged in trying to create positive change in their community or in their organization. Um, so scholars and change makers uh, that are all looking at well-being and as a part of why they do what they do. Um, and it's been the guaranteed 30 minutes of flow in my life every week is hosting that radio show. It flies by. It's, it's unbelievable how fun it is to interview people on the radio and how fast it goes. I, I hear you. In fact, I'm, I'm very aware of that myself. <laughs> so Nick, um, I am so, as I say, inspired by you and, and stimulated by this conversation I've had with you today and I could certainly, you know, keep going. So um, I will put a link to all of these good things, as I said, on the show notes page, which is positivitystrategist.com slash PS48. This is episode 48. So um, and and so people be also able to reach out to you should they choose to do that. So maybe just for the listeners, would you like to share with us, Nick, the best way that if people wanted to reach out to you for any reason at all, what might be the best way that they do that? Yeah, well, uh, I'm I'm happy to talk to 
anybody anytime about anything that relates to well-being and if you want to chat that's uh 402-909-5203 and if you'd like to email it's nick at wellbeingstrategies.org and yeah those are probably the the two easiest ways to uh stay connected that's fantastic so again we'll put those up so um nick thank you so much for gracing us with your presence today and really filling me up with the experience and the knowledge and the aspirations that you've shared and i am going to tune in through the radio app to listen to your show (laughs) because I'm sure I will learn a lot and I hope that we will keep in touch. Yeah, it's been a pleasure to be a guest on the show. Um, If one of the common themes uh, this spring is going to be interacting with the communication studies program at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln, one of the emphasis for their program is health and well-being. So, I found, I believe, something somewhere near five professors that are going to be guests talking on various aspects of well-being this uh, upcoming, uh, this the rest of winter and spring. So, I'm well, if you send me some information about that, I'd be happy to post that as well. Would you do that? I'd be happy to. I would be thrilled. Okay. Um, great, Nick. Well, um, thank you so much once again, and. Um, It's been just fantastic. I really appreciate all that you're doing. And I appreciate all that you're doing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Lots of kindness and generativity. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows, so grow towards your best.